Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 7 of Death Space Filling the Void. Last week I was talking about how the bad weather made it easier to talk about death and grief and everything like that. And this week the weather's great! <laughs> Which is a good reminder that even when things are going well, we should be prepared for when things aren't going as well. Not that you should overwhelm yourself with those, or, or focus on things going bad, but talking about death, grief, dying, it's healthy, it's, it's good. Grief can be incredibly difficult. And to that end, I have an incredible guest with an incredible story this week. My friend Ralph Jean-Pierre, aka Precious Gorgeous Ralph. He's a rapper, comedian, and an actor. And he joined the podcast to talk about how losing his best friend Tommy a few years ago led to him traveling the country by bicycle, performing Shakespeare in public spaces. It's an incredible story. He explains the motivation behind it, his preparations, and it's just a very inspiring story to live your life with a little less fear. And his perspective is very interesting on God. I mean, I'm a person who, I want to know the answers. I need to know all these answers. And, and Ralph is okay with not knowing. I wish I could be a little bit more like that. Let's not waste any time. I'm so excited to share this episode Ralph is a very interesting and thoughtful man, and I think we can all learn a lot from him. So let's go right to Ralph. Enjoy. Now joining me on the podcast is Mr. Ralph G. Pierre, who I know from my improv days. We've performed improv together. Ralph is an improviser, an actor, uh, a rapper named Precious Gorgeous. You're on the Stoner Morning Show podcast. It, you wear a lot of hats. Did I miss anything? Yeah, I don't like hats either. It's so <laughs> funny. Yeah, I've got a lot of things going on. It's strange because it seems like I'm not doing anything. It's, I just feel I feel very lazy all the time. But sometimes when I look, I'm sure you go through this too. When I look look back at all the things going on, I'm like, why am I? Why is there so many things? Right. And I still feel like I'm just like behind, lagging behind, and lethargic. And, our our Instagram generation where you always feel like you're behind and or the fact mm. that you're in a race to begin with is, is yeah anxiety. i'm not very competitive i don't i don't i don't do a lot of not that i don't but i don't do a lot of comparing myself to the people it's more like i just there's a project i've been wanting to do with shatane uh bowen for like three years and i've never gotten around to starting it you know what i mean mm. or like little things like that like there's always like a an idea that I'm like, oh, I, I gotta get this done, and, and I don't get to it. And I'm doing other things, so I should cut myself a break, but i still like, oh, I could have started this thing, though. Right. Well, that's exactly what this podcast is for me, is uh, I'm finally getting to something that has been inspiring to me for some time, and, and I'm thrilled to actually be putting work in towards it, you know? How, like, what this theme itself, like, why is that of all the things you could do a podcast about, what is it about this particular thing that is interesting to you? Um, it's just something that I think about a lot, how different people view death, how it shapes their everyday lives, how you handle grief, what different religions I'm, I'm interviewing uh, or trying to interview religious leaders of, of 
the Buddhist faith, uh, evangelical. Uh, I've reached out to several Native American tribes to just, I want to have as diverse uh, a conversation as I possibly can surrounding death. I just think we don't have the tools collectively, or, or I think we can improve those tools. And I, And the other thing that draws me to it is that it's just like in a world that's like feeling really heavy right now, uh, it's not cheap, it's not gimmicky, it's real, it's honest, it's mm-hmm. raw. You know, I could probably do a podcast on sandwiches and, and hopefully we can do that one day when it's just things are a little bit lighter. But I think, uh, you know, right now and, and for a while, it's it, this has been on my mind and, and it's just something I've really wanted to explore. That's, that's beautiful. <laughs> I don't know why this image popped in my head too, like <laughs> somebody being at a funeral. Someone being at a funeral, like, damn, dog, this is a raw-ass funeral, man. This funeral is raw <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to reach out to you is, is you were open enough to share with me, to, you know, when we were on an improv team called the Hand Me Downs, that... Shout out to the Hand Me Downs. Yeah, all right. All over the world. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them. I miss them. Came and went. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, you shared that you had this friend of yours who, who passed. I don't know this person's name off the top of my head. Um, His name was Tommy. Tommy. Okay. And, and Tommy's passing led to you traveling the country by bike, performing Shakespeare in, in public squares. And that story has stayed with me. It almost feels very Forrest Gump in that it's just like, here's the thing and, and, and I'm going, I'm, I'm jumping at it. So I'd love to hear a little bit about Tommy, your relationship, and then eventually, you know, talk about why that, why performing Shakespeare, and, and how did you come to that decision? I was gonna say it also, it also feels very Forrest Gump in that I wasn't very smart, and that I didn't get smarter from doing any of that. But uh, I feel like at the time, let me see. So Tommy was, I knew Tommy from college. We went to college together. It's in the College of Art and Design. And um, I knew him a little bit there, and we had a lot of mutual friends. But something happened. And I mean, we only when I look back on it, we only really hung out for like maybe he passed in 2011. I got here in 2007, so it couldn't have been more than couldn't have been more than four years, and really it was more like three years, two maybe two years, two three years that we were just like hanging out, heavy. We we're always together, um, mm-hmm. always hanging out. Like I was always at his house. He had two or three roommates, really two of them, that are still like lifelong friends of mine. Uh, a couple of them, they're, they're like lifelong friends of mine just because they were his roommates. And because um, he and I were, we were like brothers. We were so close. And um, our birthdays were close together and just our mentalities and when we looked at everything was close together and we both were never, never got any girls. We were always chasing girls and like, you know, it, it wasn't working out, but we were just like, think it's the we were like together in it and um his passing was just sudden like and still to this day nobody knows what happened i i, I was like in the midst of like really you don't know my ever. first really like we know how he died but we don't know we don't know everything about it so no we, it's still oh, a mystery wow. to this day wow. he um i was working i think i had just moved i was moving from one spot to another spot <clears throat> and in the interim i'd stayed at his place for like two three days like stuff on this floor 
Mm-hmm. Um, and they always had people hanging out and staying over. You know, this was, you know, Bushwick in 2011 or and you're, Williamsburg. You're, you're just out of college. So like staying on people's yeah. floors is like yeah. perfectly all right. Yeah, that's what we're, we're living in that kind of life. Yeah. And um, so I was just, I was just going to, I was just moving to a new apartment. I just had like a layover of like two days or something. So, and then eventually, and then the day came for me to move. And I knew that day, like, he was like, he just loved having me there. He's like, you don't got to go, man. Stay another day. And I was like, no, man, like, I have a roommate coming in, actually, who's going to share my room for, it was like a whole thing. So I was like, I just need to be there. Mm-hmm. So, so I went, and then I went to work. And this job was exciting because it was one of the first good jobs I had in New York. I was a teaching artist, and I was making decent money. So I'm in, I want to say, Bay Ridge or, like, Bensonhurst or something like that, some. Some some south southern part of Brooklyn, and I'm just about to. I'm like working on my lesson plan with my co-teacher. I'm just about to walk into the class, and I get a call from one of his roommates, and they're like, "Tommy fell off the roof." And uh, oh basically, I went. I like kind of freaked out a little bit, and then I went from there. And I just ended up spending like four days in in uh, Bellevue Hospital, just like every day until after like four days of like all of our friends hanging out at that, like all of us congregated there and we just camped out there for days. Because he had not the first time I, he was, he was, yeah, he was, he, he was like in a coma until okay. they declared him three, four days later. And okay. then that's how he, that's how he died. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just, nobody saw it coming at all. You know, we had, he had a roof that was very janky on the top of his building that we would go up on all the time so you could smoke. We were always up there. And um, he was just, we know that he went up and then that he, you know, later, I think that night was found in the backyard on the ground, you know, from, from a position that he could have only fell off from the roof or nobody knows, nobody knows what happened, how we, how, how we felt. I think it was rainy and it was slippery and he might've been drunk, he might not have been, who knows. I'd just seen him a few hours before that yeah so yeah that's that's that story and it was very it was more like revolutionary in my life it was very sad but it was more just like whoa i just didn't know how to process it up until that point no one really close to me had ever passed so like death just like kind of is like knocking on your door for the first time yeah yeah but i also it was a strange time because one everybody's like oh your tommy's best friend is tommy's best friend and I suppose I was, you know, I'd be honored to be his best friend. I, I love, I love them. But uh, yeah, I, I always felt weird that I didn't, I didn't know that I was feeling what I was supposed to have been feeling. I don't know. What do you mean by that? I, I feel like this is something I think I learned about myself that I kind of already knew, but I learned about myself at that time, which is that like I walk around, I expect death. Hmm. I'm not. Uh, uh, it's not a it's not a rare thought that crosses my mind that like I may not make it to the end of this day or like someone I love may not make it to the end of this day. It's not a a, a radical thought for me. So that how does that like come into your play like every day? Is that like you're you stay far away from the subway tracks? <laughs> are you are you like super careful when you're going through your day, or just like the thought is in your your head that like hey this is a real possibility of something that could happen and has happened in your life that is a that's a really great question i think the way that manifests is, is is in this way i one of the reasons i did that i ended up taking that bike tour so this is how I, this is what led to that and, and 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 this has larger implications across my whole life but basically 
I was in college a few years before this, right? Uh, actually only, yeah, a few years, because it was my, my senior year of college. I was about to graduate. And so I'm working on my senior show and my senior sh in theater, in the theater program. And so my senior show was a series of like scenes and monologues that I put together. And so I found this new monologue in my teacher and, and, and you have a class, you have to take a whole semester class, class to build your senior show. Mm -hmm. And so my teacher, uh, Carla, uh, who I'm still friends with today, I'm like, yeah, I got this new monologue. And she's like, where do you want to do it? Pick up, pick up part of the room and let's see this monologue. So I look around the room, there's like six of us in the class or something. I look around the room and it's a big room and I look and there's a big broad open wall with nothing in front of it. Nobody's standing there like it's just open and broad and I just turn and look and I go, oh, not there. Oh, where else do I want to do it? And then it, the idea just struck me and I'll never forget this. I don't think I'll ever forget this. The idea just hit me as I'm looking around again. I go, why not there? Hmm. Oh, because I'm afraid. And then I realized I have to do it there. Oh. I have to stand in front of that wall. And, and that was the first time that thought hit me. And then after that, and it accelerated, that thought accelerated when I got to New York because of a couple other things. I mean, mainly like, so when I say, this is, this is, this is, this is a big thing. So mainly when I say like, Tommy and I never got girls, I don't know what, what his, what was his impediment. But what I learned was uh, I would, I would meet girls and like uh, the luck that I would have is that uh, it wasn't often, but some of the time I would realize that a girl that I was interested in was also interested in me. Boom. Especially when you're younger. Yeah, you're like, but what I would do is try to do, is try to make the move and get in there without having to admit how I felt. Because I was, I was trying to do everything I could to skirt the possibility of making myself vulnerable to rejection. Oh, okay. I was, I was just, so basically I was letting my fear rule me. And, 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 and the woman that I was interested in could sniff that out and become uninterested. And, I, and what I realized for myself is that I think it's because I wouldn't make the move. I wouldn't make myself vulnerable. So mm. what I start, how that manifested is from that moment of the, doing that monologue in the class, it made me realize that like, oh, if I'm afraid of something, I need to do it immediately. And not only do I need to, I need to do it fast because if I think about it too long, I'll think myself out of it. Right. So the second I'm afraid of something, I need to do it right then and there i need to just do it and so that's a great way of viewing your life yeah I, I think so i don't know if i do that if i'm as rigid about that now but it was a couple of years of like i mean like wild things like i don't know i don't think i can jump over this fence jump it you know <laughs> like like okay. immediately and uh, um it was very yeah it was very <laughs> i was a little bit i was a little bit possessed at that time so and then and then so that kind of ethos or that philosophy culminated in Tommy passed and I remember I'll tell you this whole story so I'm, I'm just thinking about um, what I learned in that time with Tommy passing among among many things is that I'm very project oriented so if something happens and I feel rudderless if I'm not attached to like a, a project that I that I find important that I'm working on like a piece of art okay and so at that time, you know, Tommy passed and I was just kind of sitting in that grief and I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what to make in order to deal with it. So I was just kind of like roaming the earth unmoored for a couple months. And that's rare for me. I'm not usually like that. I usually have something that I'm working on or thinking about. And not just one thing. It seems like you usually have several. Many things, many yeah. things. Yeah, I just, I don't know why that is. So at that time I had nothing. 
had nothing going on. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just looking, looking for an idea, looking for an idea, looking for an idea. And um, I remember I moved to my pastor's basement in Bay Ridge. Uh, and um, I'm living in his basement trying to find something. And I, and I was sitting there and um, I remember it was the summer of 2011. And I'm sitting there and I see a commercial come on TV for John Leguizamo's Ghetto, no, for, yeah, Ghetto Clown. I see a commercial come on for that. And I just, I'm thinking, the one man yeah, that's show, what right? I, yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's what I've always wanted to do is do, uh, is play a bunch of characters on stage. And, and after this, so something, uh, one of these things I was leading up to the tour as well is like, uh, I was going up for like a year and a half. I was doing stand up. What I was doing is I wouldn't write any jokes because I don't really like jokes for myself. I love jokes, but I don't really want to tell them. So I would just go up on stage. I would go to open mics with my stand-up buddies, and I would just go on stage and do one-man improv. I would just, <laughs> I would just improvise. I would never know what I was going to do, and I would just make it up right when I got on stage. That's very, very brave as an improviser, going yeah. to open mic for stand-up and, and doing something completely different. I'm sure the audience had some strong reactions. It was rough. Sometimes it went really well. More often it went badly, but I, I was just doing it, and... Um, and I was doing it because I didn't, it was scary because I was afraid to do it. So there was that. So I, and so, but, but because of that, I built up this, this thing of like, I, well, I know I can play multiple characters at the same time on stage and I can make them talk to each other. So mm-hmm. I was thinking about that. And then I saw this John Langazamo thing and I was like, yeah, that's what I would always want to do. I also read this book by this guy, Travis D called No Applause, Just Throw Money, which is like the history of vaudeville in New York. I'd also read this other book about my hero, Joseph Papp, who created New York Shakespeare Festival. I just read those books and I was obsessed with them. And then I saw this commercial for Ghetto Clown and I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to do, I want to perform, I want to do something where I perform different characters and I want to have my own act that I can just do wherever I want. It was also a time, you know, Tommy was, Tommy had passed and I'm also just like in these dregs of like, I want to be, when I have this career as a New York actor and it wasn't working out the way I wanted it to work. I, can, I, had, I couldn't figure out how I was just in these boxes and stuck and my friend was gone. And I wasn't sad, I was just like stuck. You know, I wasn't, um, or I wasn't depressed, you know. I miss my friend, but I, I was more like, and, and it was the thing that Tommy and I shared. We were both very like driven, striving, making art. And there was a lot in his passing that was like, okay, I've got to make it for both of us. Since both oh, we had such man. an analogous dream, like, Right. I just put him on my back and, and, and so, it's, so it's sort of like everything I do, I feel like even now I have a girlfriend and I'm like, man, Tommy would love this, you know? <laughs> and um, oh, Tommy, I did it. <laughs> yeah, he really would. He's, he's, he's like, oh, you're going to see that chick? Yeah, nice. You know, Tommy <laughs> spoke like, he was like, he was like a young Christopher Walken. Way really? So uh, yeah, he was like, oh, we hitting the town? Yeah. Um, so so I've got all these ideas swimming in my head and I'm also thinking about like, what's portable? What, if I had a, if I was going to do like a vaudeville act, what could I, what's portable that I could do that's like based around acting that is more reliable than improvising. And I thought, well, you know what I think is really portable Shakespeare. Mm. I feel like I could pick up a Shakespeare scene and do it anyway. Cause they're not built for like scenery or props. They're just built for just two actors to do it. Right. And then I think also thought of like doing a bicycle long distance bicycle tour so all these things are just swimming in my head and one day i'm just sitting in the chair 
another a different day than the ghetto clown commercial. And I'm just sitting in the chair in, in the basement in Bay Ridge. And one day the whole idea just falls on me. You're gonna ride around the, the United States on your bicycle and perform Shakespeare on the streets. And there it is. And it scared yeah. you? I, I immediately tried to talk myself out of it. Yeah. Immediately I was like, this is a crazy idea. There's no there's no way to, to do this. I'm not gonna do it. And then it's almost like you're at this point in your life where like trying to talk yourself out of it is like creating this quicksand leading to you doing it. And exactly. It's yeah. Like repeating I, that you're, I'm, this is scaring you, Ralph. This is scaring you, Ralph. Okay, I got to do it. This was like, this idea is too, is too much, Ralph. This is too much. Yeah. And then <laughs> I, just, I just had this vision in my mind. I still don't know to this day where it came from, but I just thought about telling Tommy this idea. And then I'm like, I'm going to leave New York. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... I'm already behind. I'm gonna cut all my contacts for however long this takes. I'm gonna go out and who knows if I can die? Who knows if it's, if it's even possible to ride around the country this way? Who knows? Who knows? Like, this, I had this idea, but it's crazy. It's so far-fetched. And I, I just imagined him saying, when you leaving? Oh man, let's go. We're going. And I had to go, I had to go. And that, yeah, and that's how. What, what from, you know, from that moment of like making that decision, I want to hear two things. I want to hear, how does that feel, right? Uh, did you feel like a transition from like, the, you said you weren't feeling depressed, but maybe like grief? Like, is there some sort of transformative aspect to like putting your plans and, and your dual dreams in motion? Once I had that feeling, once I had that thought, it was like the fear didn't go anywhere, but there was definitely a resolve that is... I really can't even explain when I think back on it. It was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this. Yeah. And I just kind of became crazed. And then things started opening up for me in ways that were very strange. I ended up making a one-man show about this called What Should Be the Fear, like that we were, ended up working on for like six years after my, me, the, uh, my collaborator, Julie, helped me put together the original Shakespeare repertoire. We ended up making a one-man show about it. So the story is kind of fresh in my mind, but like what, what happened was I told Jolie and her first reaction was like, Wait, who's Jolie? She's uh, my collaborator. She was okay. like the first person to give me a job in theater in New York. And like, we still work together to this day. Um, she's just the greatest. And she, she was at that point, she gave me my first job in New York and she was the only person who like would, would regularly take my meetings. I would be like, I have this idea to do three man, St. Joan, I have an idea to do a sketch, blah, blah. And then, you know, sometimes she would bite, most of the time she wouldn't, but she would always take my meeting. And I, I really don't know why, because she's way more sensible than I am. And I just be like, I want to do this. And so I do that, I, do this. And had, sometimes it's good to hear the quote unquote more practical side, I guess, to like yeah. funnel and mold the clay. Yeah, I mean, she, I, I mean, she's just a very practical lady you know even though she's also an artist so i told her this idea and i remember her being like yeah I, this sounds dangerous you're a black man you're going to the south you're gonna ride a bike and then all this shakespeare how are you gonna what i don't really understand and then i'm kind of like i still, I'm still okay she thinks i'm crazy all right all right i'm not sure okay let's keep going and then um i remember she writes me an email like three days later and she goes Hey, Ralph, I was uh, offered this job to direct this play that I've always wanted to, to direct. And I turned it down. And I didn't understand why I turned it down. 
and I realized it's because I told her that she was like, why do you want to do this? And I was like, because I'm afraid to. And she was like, that seems reactionary. And I was like, okay. And, and, and uh, <laughs> so later she wrote me this email and she's like, I was offered to direct, to direct this play that I've always wanted to direct, uh, to direct and I turned it down. And the reason I turned it down is because I was afraid to do it. I thought I would fail. We should start working on this project. Nice. Yeah. So, so that happened. The other thing that happened was um, I took a meeting with the only guy I knew at the time who had done any bike touring. I, t- I remember, I, this is a fateful day, I took a meeting with him at Madison Square Park, right over near the pit. I took a meeting with him and I just was like, hey bud, I have this idea and I, want to, I need to tour my bicycle around the country to do it. Is that humanly possible? And he goes, can I you know, travel like 60 miles a day? And he's like, yeah. It's not going to be easy, but yeah, you can do it. And I was like, shit. Okay. <laughs> so then right after he left, I called my mom, who was a very, you know, pretty like conservative uh, personality, like very practical personality, you know, right. like Jolie. And um, I call her, and, you know, I, I've never done a bike tour. I've never even left the East Coast. I've, you know, I mean, like. Are you I've ever in 60 miles a day bike? shape at this point that oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> i've never been camping i don't know anything oh, i know wow. nothing my friend <laughs> i call <laughs> i call my mom and i'm like mom i am gonna ride my bicycle around the united states for the next few months and perform shakespeare on the street and there's nothing you can do to stop me i'm an adult and then she's like Raph, what what are you talking about? Why laugh? Why you want to do this? And then so we go back and forth and back and forth and I'm arguing. Great with impression her. of your mom, by the way. <laughs> uh, thanks. Yeah, she's uh, yeah, I love I love doing it. And then finally, I don't know why so many things that happened on this on the route to this that made me think that that made me one, like reaffirms my belief in God, and two makes me think that Tommy was like with me the whole time. I say to my mom, I'm very big on this. I don't know why. Well, I, I do know why, actually, because Tommy and I also, we share the same Zodiac, right? We're both Scorpios. Mm-hmm. And I share a birthday with Jodie Foster. That, that'll become important in a second. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, 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 so I'm arguing back and forth with my mom. And she's like, why, Raph? Why do you have to do this? Why? I don't understand enough. Why? And I say, oh, sorry. And I say to my mom, you know, I... I'm, I'm in New York and I'm, and I'm busting my ass trying to like be an actor and, and, and prove that I, you know, I'm good enough and I should get hired to work and blah, blah. And whatever I'm doing, it's not working and nobody cares. And maybe I need to prove my commitment. I need to go out and do something drastic and big to prove my commitment to my work and that I'm, that I'm good and that I'm here to work and that I will not be deterred and whatever it is. And, 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 and I just, I'm emphatic and my mom was quiet for a little bit. She goes, Oh, it's like when that, when that guy tried to kill that, kill Megan for that girl. Uh-huh. So she's like referencing the, the, the assassination attempt on, on Reagan in the 80s, oh, which my like my mom almost never makes, she's not a pop culture referencer or a referencer of, of history. I've never heard her say anything like this before. Yeah. And she says this, right? So John Hinckley tried to, tried to shoot Reagan, he was like mentally ill and he, and he had a delusion that, you know, he was supposed to kill John Hinckley to impress this girl. Do you know who that girl was? Jodie Foster? Jodie Foster. I, I didn't know that, but I, I guessed. 
That is very interesting and, and very bizarre. It's very bizarre. I had just become aware of that, and I just and I knew that. So I so I said that to my mom. I said, "Yeah, mom." And I share a birthday. It was Jodie Foster, and I share a birthday with Jodie Foster. And my mom goes, "Okay." When do you leave? Yeah. Wow. In such a short time period, you had changed her her mind on this. It was like maybe an maybe an hour conversation, maybe forty five minutes. Wow. And I and I almost was like, and I was like, really, this is it. This is it. That was the final um, key to unlock to this trip actually happening. Yeah. yeah. Well, there, I mean, there was a lot more. I mean, I had to learn the Shakespeare act that we had to figure out what the theme was. The theme ended up being fear mm. uh, for all the scenes. And then I had, very to, fitting. Yeah, I, had to, I had to learn it and I had to find them. I didn't have a bicycle. I didn't have a touring bicycle. I didn't have the, those luggage bags, the paneers that you need. I didn't know. I wasn't in shape. I didn't. So I had to like raise this money. I'm trying to go to, you know, and do I need grants or whatever? Get a grant, write a grant. A grant's going to take at least a year, if not 18 months to get. If I wait 18 yeah. months, I'm not going. I got to, this is, this is like August. I got to be on the road February if I'm doing this. You started in February? Started in February from Florida. Okay, from Florida. Okay, I was gonna yeah. say even. All right, I'm getting on my bike here in New York City. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I went to Florida where my mom lives. I just had to slide in here real quick just to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by the Cardist. Okay, it could be really hard to come up with something special to put in every greeting card that you send for birthdays anniversaries, whatever the occasion, correct? Congratulations, way to go. Because even if you do write something really special that's very moving, then you're going to be known as the special moving card person, always chasing that high mark that you got. Well, have no fear, the cardist is here to help. With so many birthdays, there's no time to shop for cards. Write the cards and buy the stamps. Now you can do it all right where you sit, because the cardist studio does it for you. You're going to come across as a lot smarter. That's always a good thing. Introducing a writing specialist for the message inside your greeting cards. The Cardist Studio creates your message, writes it in the card, and mails it for you. All you do is pick the card and tell why you're sending it. No more errands, no more anxiety. We've all had enough anxiety over the last year. <laughs> Let's have a little less. And this is for a message from your heart, but not your hands. Just sit back and enjoy your relationships. TheCardistStudio.com Thoughtful just got easy. And you can use the promo code DEATHPOD for 10% off all orders. Speaking of relationships, now that people are getting the vaccine and, and the numbers of the vaccinated are growing and you can actually start seeing friends, oh my gosh, such a weight is coming off just to be able to see people. Oh man, so nice. Today's episode is also brought to you by My Software Tutor. Learning new software programs can be extremely daunting. Do you fear the spreadsheet? Phobia be gone. I mean, we all put Excel in our, our, or on our resume, but deep down, you know, you know, that's probably a lie. <laughs> or maybe it's not, maybe you're an Excel whiz, but there's always something else you can learn about it. My Software Tutor offers three levels of real-time Zoom-based courses with a live instructor. They all deliver practical, functional business skills in a friendly, supportive environment. These courses will increase your marketability, which I feel like there's going to be a lot more jobs opening up as, as the pandemic subsides a bit. 
Whether you're an employee, job seeker, consultant, or contractor, register at mysoftwaretutor.com and use the promo code POD20 to save 20% off all registrations. All right, now let's get right back to Ralph. I have then, so many questions, Ralph. It's yeah. how did you plan the route? Where did you get this money? Why isn't this a major motion picture already? <laughs> the story. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that last question, and I just sort of, I sort of feel like it's gonna, it's gonna, it'll, it'll emerge in its own time. But um, if it, if it, if it will, I think that there's people who need the story probably have it. Maybe at this point, you know, it'll go where it goes. Uh, but the the money came from just a Kickstarter. I just did a Kickstarter and I raised five grand, I think. Uh, maybe 2500 maybe that's all I raised I don't remember but uh, so I raised the money to enough money to get the equipment I just started riding my bike as much as I could every day it wasn't really enough but it was just enough to get used to riding 20-30 miles mm-hmm. I bought this bike I bought all the stuff I needed for it I had some money left over to leave with and um, what did you do with your New York apartment? You were staying with your pastor at that time. Did you? Oh, I just moved out. I mean, they didn't really, really want me living there anyway. So I just, <laughs> I just left it. Uh, I wasn't really leaving much. I didn't have much. Still not much. You know, I didn't have much going on. It wasn't, nobody's waiting for me. Nobody's looking for me, you know, so I could just go and it wasn't a big deal. Just went to, went to Florida. I went home for like two months or like, yeah, maybe like two months to get ready. And, um, then I went to, I left my, I, I started in Tampa. So I went to one of Tommy's roommates, moved back to Florida and she lived in Tampa. Tampa's about a hundred miles from where my mom's town is. Mm-hmm. So I made sure to start there so that I'm starting a hundred miles away from home. Yeah. So that I, it's not just like I ride away, I ride 25 miles and I'm like, ah, oh, this is crazy. I'm going back home. I'm not really doing this. Even though I raised all this money and learned the Shakespeare and blah, blah. I just, I just tried my best to put myself in a position where I couldn't turn back. What's that first mile feel like of pedaling? I'll tell you exactly how I felt. So first of all, the first time I rode the bike fully loaded was the moment I left. Okay. I never even had the time to like load the bike up. I didn't know how to pack it up. And uh, I pack up the bike. You're clipped in. The only reasonable way to, to, to get enough out of your strokes to pedal is like you wear these special shoes and you clip in your bicycle. Yeah, I think so, it Yeah, so I got to learn to clip in and out right away with 60 pounds on my back, <laughs> on my backside. Like, you didn't practice clipping in at all before that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I practiced, oh, okay. I practiced for about for a couple of weeks. Okay. So, but not with, not with all the gear on. It, right. it occurred to me to do that. So... I start riding and I'm riding down Dale Mabry, I believe, in Tampa. And I get to this bridge. I mean, it's not even as tall as the bridge from like Greenpoint to New Island City. It's like barely a bridge. Okay. Right. I get to this bridge and I, and I just stop and I'm just like, oh my God, that bridge is so huge. It's nothing. It's nothing. But I'm just like, it's frozen. I just, I'm like, what am I doing? Feels like a speed bump. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now it would be a speed, but I, you know, I, move, I go on to climb mountains on my bicycle, but like at the time, I'm just like, ah! and, uh, and and this guy, as I'm standing there, like in an existential crisis, this like, this like Mexican dude or Dominican dude on a girl's bicycle comes riding the wrong way against traffic from the other direction. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like looking at him in awe. 
and I and he is grinding over, and I stop him, and I go, "Sir, sir, please, please, what, what's uh, what's what's over there? What's on the other?" And he just goes, "I don't know, man. M- more, more, more." <laughs> and he just keeps riding, and I'm just like, "Ah!" And so yeah. I'm like, and then finally I stand there for probably like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and then I'm just like, "If I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die today!" And I like. Pedal over, and there's just like a gas station. <laughs> there's nothing there. I just, nothing I just keep going. Right. You know, nothing special at all. It's the exact same thing. But you've, that crossed that, uh, you've crossed that obstacle, and, and you're on your way at that point. I'm on my way, dude. And it was just like, I don't remember how, it probably took me, I mean, I ended up encountering some guys and riding with them, which I don't think if I had met them, I kept going. Like, I could, I mean, I could tell you tons of stuff about this. Thing, but I, I, I'm only. I ended up. I ended up writing for almost a little, uh, not quite a year. Probably about eight months. I ended up writing altogether, performing on the streets. I taught myself how to street perform. All this. I went long ways. Like I went across the country, up the country, and halfway back across. Yeah. What are some uh, of the cities you hit? Oh, you asked me how to choose. I just looked at the cities. I just figured it's winter, and I'll ride into the fall. So mm-hmm. it's gonna chase the weather. So I'll be in the south in the winter, and I'll be in, in the summer. I'll be heading upward, and then by the time it's getting cold again, I should be back to New York. Okay. And that's pretty much exactly what I did. So I just hit every city that was in my in my path. You know, I went from Tampa to Tallahassee, where my sisters were, to Panama City, to you know, I guess some some part of Mississippi, to Houston, to Austin. Uh, I think I went to New Orleans, you know, just whatever big city is there, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going by the cities. Right. So I'm just hitting whatever big city is in my path, and I'm just doing like a C shape. And you're staying in like a tent. Sometimes I'm in a tent. Sometimes I'm. They have this thing called warm showers that is like, it's kind of like couch surfing for, but it's for bike people. Sometimes I'm staying with those people. Sometimes I'm in a hotel. Sometimes I'm staying with a friend that I have in town. Any any of those options that I did, and and in the first few months, the first two months, I'm like freaking out about. One time, I think I slept in a Salvation Army or a shelter. I think I did that once or twice. And uh, the first two months, I'm like fretting about it. By the by, the last two three months, I don't, I'm not even thinking about where I'm sleeping until until the sun goes down. Wow. Figure it out when I get there. Conquering yeah. the fear, just like that wall you were making your first presentation in in that class. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think like in vain with like expecting death. And it's not that I'm a, fe- I don't consider myself a fearless person at all. I don't like flying. I don't like, uh, you know what I mean? Like I'll do it, but I don't like it. I, I'm not like a fearless person at all. I just, what happens is if I feel like I have to do something dangerous and I often do feel like that, I feel, and I feel like it's important in life. I feel like I just have to make my peace with death. So very often I do that. Very often I, do, I, I just like, okay, I may die right now. And I just make my peace with it. And I do that a lot. And um, I just try to accept it and then try to be bold in how I'm moving from, from that point. Um, but like I have to that. do it every time. Is no, that? That's like weigh you down. Yeah I, yeah, I feel like I can. I feel like every bad thing comes from that. I feel like um, I'm going to die someday and... Um, I don't mean to sound cavalier about it, but I just, I do think about that. Like a soldier dies, a a coward dies a thousand deaths and a soldier dies once, you know? So I just try to 
I just try my best and I fail a lot too, but I just try my best to like, when I'm moving, be like, is this a move I'd be, if I die doing this, literally or figuratively, if I die doing this, am I gonna, I, I feel like it's gonna be better to have died doing this than, than to stay alive and no, I didn't do it. I have real evidence of that from every woman that like, I thought was amazing that I didn't get to get close to them because I would rather save face and not risk uh, rejection. Right. I'd rather not risk rejection and not ever, you know, know if they if if there if there's gonna be reciprocity. I'd rather just live in the unknown than to actually just risk it. I think that like I, Schrodinger's I, cat, which is the, it's a thought experiment that in in a, a universe there's a uh, a cat in a um, in a shoebox and by opening it determines its fate so it could be dead or alive in the box but if you open it and it's dead it's like the thought is that like you may have done something to kill it or vice versa um and wow. by keeping by not moving you're in that state of, of unknowing right and and that, yeah you don't ever have to know right yeah I lived, I lived enough of that, and so I just, I've just been determined since then to go, I can't live like that anymore. I'd rather just know, and if I'm gonna die, I'd rather just, I'd rather just die than not know. And I've just tried to make my peace with that. It's a beautiful way to live, I think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I try it, man. I'm, t I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not some sort of a hero. Yeah, I'm a human. And like what the thing and what I mean to say is the thing that I learned is like what I thought would happen on that tour is I would burn all fear out of me. Mm. I thought I would I would leave it and never be afraid of anything again. And what and the one of the big things I learned is that that's impossible. That I'm always just as afraid. I'm just now as I'm just more used to being afraid and doing it anyway. Comfortable I'm more used uncomfortable. To, yes, but I'm still always afraid. Always. Oh, that's very, very powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I'm also interested, uh, you mentioned you believe in God and, and I'd love to get your thoughts on uh, religion and, and what happens to us when we die. I try not to make it really hard. I think most people would, I, what I like to say is uh, uh, I think people would describe me as religious and that's accurate. Um, yeah. I'm a, you, if you called me a Christian, that would be accurate. If you, I, was raised in, in sort of a lot of different kind of faiths and it moved around a lot, but I think I just ended up calling myself, I'm a, I'm a Jesus follower. So I'm trying, so I'm living a life trying to be like Jesus, basically. I'm trying to do that, trying and failing all the time. But I just think among other things, they say God is love. I think as, far, as, as a man goes, nobody loved better than Jesus could. And I don't think there's anything more important than that. So that's what I'm trying to live up to all the time and, and surrendering and asking for God's help in that. I love that's, how, uh, how open you are to understanding like the flaws of humanity and that like you've come to peace with like, you're never gonna love as well as Jesus did or you're never gonna be fear free. And, and you seem, to be okay with that the pursuit of attempting to be perfect is just as good as being perfect i guess it seems from from my perspective 
Oh yeah, I think the attempt is everything. I think the attempt is really the only point, you know, if a real earnest attempt is like, so much will come out of that. I think everybody's born with like some things they struggle with. There's things that come naturally to you that I'll always struggle with and vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's the case for everybody. Everybody has their set of skills and their, I think the one thing I was blessed with <laughs> is that I don't need to know anything. I'm very okay with not knowing things. I'm very okay with not knowing the answer. I don't, I don't need to know. So even the question of like what happens after we die, I don't really need to know. I don't feel like it's for me to know. I don't feel like it's my business. You feel like it's like a, a waste of your time maybe to, to burden yourself with that question or? Yeah, I really, I really, I really, I don't think there's ever a way to find out. I mean, if there is, it'll, it'll show up and it'll have nothing to do with me, I presume. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm just a, I'm just a dude doing improv in Brooklyn. Like, I don't, I don't what do I know? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Like, uh, I don't know, man. And, 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 and I really, I really, for many years now, one of the things I really try to do is not spend any time worrying about something that has nothing to do with me or is not up to me or is not in my control. I can't control it and not, I'm trying not to think about it. So like, where do we go after we die? I just, I, I think I've seen so many things in my life that are too beautiful and too, it's like the way, the way, that, the way that bike tour came to be. That sh- nothing about that should have worked. Nothing should have worked. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just, th- there was no reason. And I feel like there's so many stories like that. Like, I can tell you so many crazy things that happened on that trip that are just like, I don't even understand how and why they happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it worked none out. of it should have worked. It's, yeah, and it worked out, you know? And so to me, that, 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 Design is too divine and beautiful for everything in it to be random. So I sort of just, I, I, you know, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. But I don't, like something I've been fond of saying is like, I know it's a fairy, a fairy tale. I know it's a fairy tale. I know it's silly. I know I can't prove it. I know that there's, it sounds to anybody who has any, intellect at all any sense of skepticism if they want to debunk that they could easily do it and i'd be like yeah you're right i don't know it's, <laughs> it's, it's stupid you, you know want what i mean water? sure yeah it's, it's, it's yeah, yeah 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 i can't prove it i don't need to prove it i just i'm choosing to believe it uh because you know we also very as a hum, as humanity as a whole we know very little anyway so i also know that it can't be disproven and i don't need to it's to me it's not about the proving under the actual details of like, was there a flood? Was there all this shit? Was there, did, yeah. was, did the bush burn? Did all that stuff. I, uh, it doesn't matter to me. To me, it's like more what's behind those stories and like Which is patterns love, of life. Kindness, stuff like that. All those things are unimpeachable. Yeah. To yeah. treat your, you know, I, I feel like I'm a very simple man and like, I do know that in the Bible, somebody's like, Jesus, what, which is the most important of these laws? There's so many laws in this book. Ah, damn. Which, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? And, and Jesus was like, listen, just love God and love your brother as you love yourself. If you do that, everything's taken care of. And so for me, I'm like, oh, I can, do, I can remember those. I can try <laughs> to do those. And, and those. and those two things to me seem, I can't impeach either of them there's nothing i could say about those that are like uh, 
wrong or unethical or, or, or not fruitful in any way. Like, it seems to me to make perfect sense that if you are, if you can risk enough to, to give everything to take care of your brother and your sister, that there have to be other people in the world who will also look after you that same way. And then... I would hope so, right? Yeah. And then so, I mean, I've seen it. I've, I've lived it. I, so many people have looked after me and taken care of me when they didn't have to at all. So I've seen it. And and that's it that I always do that. It's just something I'm trying to do. It's The reason it's so beautiful is because it's so hard to do. It's so hard to like it's surrender. So yeah, to like completely disavow your your primal sense of self-preservation mm-hmm. and like i want the food i want the car i want the job i want the girl i want to win i'm you know to like it's so that is so uh, you know has yeah. such a grasp on us right with everything going on like yeah all everything about our society teaches us to do that to seek more i need more i need bigger i need everything like I need the gravity pull of everything towards me, but to let go of that is is pretty important. Yeah, if you man, if you can let go of that, I mean, and then basically what that means is, if you if you can let go of that, it means it it doesn't mean that you don't have fear. It means that you not allowed fear to have any power over you. Yeah, you just flip you're, you're you know flipping the script. Well, I, I just wanted to end on on one question you have gone through so much you know we only spoke about the loss of your friend Tommy and and you went on this incredible journey to a person that's just getting started on on the road to you know in terms of grief or or loss if you had to offer them a couple sentences of advice what would you say I would have to know what their mentality is because there's so many ways to take it like even between me and my, I have three younger sisters and my, my mom passed two years ago, two and a half years ago. I'm sorry to hear even, that. Thank you. And, and so even amongst them, or even amongst like, obviously the way Tommy's parents took his death and the way I took his death was different. The way my sisters took my mom's death, I'm sure, I think we had very pretty distinct reactions to it, each of us. And um, so I'd have to know the person's temperament and where they're coming from and how they're seeing it. But the main things I would say is like, just in general in life, try to orient your mind toward things you can control mm. and nothing else and try to learn to accept what you cannot control. That is so much easier said than done, but I think it's one of the keys to happiness is accept what you can't control and, and, and let go of what you can. And that all depends on if, what you believe in because I also believe that, you know, God could do anything. I try not to put boundaries and what I believe that God can do or not. And but what that also means is that like, I have to imagine that the things I'm asking them to do, they may be, I may be thinking very small and God may think me thinking on a celestial level that I can't see, you know, when he takes my friend away from me and my mom away from me, there may be some reason that I can't, I'll never understand that he's mm-hmm. doing that. So I, so that also goes into acceptance. It's like, it's not just, that I can do nothing and my, and my God can do nothing, but like I may just be too small to understand the bigger picture. So I really push acceptance and what I've tried to do, I feel like with each person that I lose until I eventually myself go one day, which is a very scary thought, is I try 
they're people that I love and that love me. I try as best I can in my own way to every day be the person I believe they would hope that I that I would be in their in their in their purest form. So like I try to be the person that I think my mom would be if she was free of any insecurities, free of any fear from from where she is now. You know, I believe in heaven, like looking down on me from a place of like wholeness and, and being fulfilled. What would she want? What would she hope that Ralph does with his, the rest of his life? And I try to be that. Wow. Um, and the same with Tommy. I try to, I, I feel like Tommy always wanted what he, what he wanted for himself. He wanted for me. And I think her dreams are very similar. So I'm just, I just try every day to, earnest be earnest and be kind but be passionate about pushing toward toward that every every day as best i can um control what you can control and take a breath about the things that you can't yeah and then then just try to try to be uh try to make that person proud if you love them as best as you can without making yourself miserable I'd say try to make that person proud. That that gives me a lot of comfort when I'm like, okay, I think they would be happy that I'm doing this. Mm. Well, this has all been very incredible. Uh, you're a very intelligent and thoughtful person. So thank you very much. Well, for that's to my dad. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for your time, Ralph. I appreciate you, Pat. This is awesome. This is such a cool idea. And yeah, I'm I'm sure people, this will be helpful for people. And God bless anybody who's dealing with any uh, grief or or, or out there. God bless you. God bless you, Pat. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, man, what an episode. What a story. I I still don't know how it's not a movie. (laughs) It really should be. So Ralph has done a, a one-man show about it, so hopefully that'll uh, get picked back up now that stages could open up and we can see theater again. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check the show out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, Death Space Filling the Void. My personal social media is all at Patrick underscore E underscore Jones. If you're liking the show, please rate and review it. It's really helpful to... Uh, help spread awareness about the show. I also have another podcast called That Gives Me Anxiety, where each episode is about something specific that scares us. So I've done flying, becoming a parent, birds. <laughs> and then we talk about it, and and towards the end, we, we hope that it's a, a little less scary, whatever the thing is. Thanks again so much for listening. It means a lot to me. And I'll talk to you again next Thursday. Bye-bye.